21CL Radio. You're listening to the Run Your Life podcast with host Andy Vassar. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the GES Insightful Classroom Teacher Series. And in today's show, I have Tim Scarrett. Tim Scarrett. Uh, I like to do a uh, just give each guest a little snapshot into their life and their journey. And of course, you've heard from other teachers here already in this Insightful Classroom Teacher Series, and they all talk about what an amazing journey international education is. And it doesn't surprise me that Tim and I have a common friend in Andrea Berry, who is uh, the assistant head of the Canadian school, right? She's running the kindergarten down there, which is um, a massive, massive job. They've just got an outdoor discovery center and... Yeah, it's a huge, huge job, but she does it extremely well, doesn't it? Yeah, and I've been following her. Obviously, we've been friends for a long time, and I've been following her work, and she often will flash up pictures of, of what's going on, on on the campus. But again, very small world when you're in the system for any length of time, and you always have common friends uh, and mutual contacts. So Tim's going to start off just by giving us a snapshot into his journey and how he ended up here at Coast. So go ahead, Tim. Sure. Well, I grew up down in a place near Geelong in Australia. Um, My parents are both teachers. Uh, My whole family actually are teachers. It's crazy. Uh, And I got told my whole upbringing not to become a teacher, which... (laughs) By your teacher parents? (laughs) By my teacher parents. uh, And, um, you know... Jokingly, obviously, but it was sort of something that stuck in my mind where they always sort of tried to put me off it, even though they led such good lives themselves. And I think that's sort of what attracted me to it in the first place was the fact that I saw the benefits that they got out of it when it came to just teaching and uh, and learning as well. So, um, yeah, grew up down there and then... Where did you uh, go to uni? I went to uni at Melbourne, University of Melbourne. Okay. And then stayed in Melbourne teaching for seven years and then went straight overseas to Singapore, first location. Um, to the Canadian school? I was in the Australian International oh, okay. School yep. for a little while um, and then went over to Branksome Hall Asia in Jeju Island in okay. Korea, back to Singapore at the Canadian International School and then across to Kaust. Here I am now. So This is your first year here. This is my first year at Kaust. Yeah. yeah. And just before we get into the guts of today's show, what's one piece of advice you have to um, teachers listening back home, wherever that is, who have always desired to go abroad um, and don't even know where to begin? So what's uh, one piece of advice you can give them? I would say just do it. Take the plunge. But if you're unsure of where to go, I think just – the old pros and cons list always worked for me, you know, like just weigh it up what's best for the, whether it's you by yourself or your family, what's best um, as a whole, as a balance. And I found that Singapore worked for me at the beginning and then once you take that plunge, it's much easier to take a plunge that's a bit more daunting on the surface, right, yeah. like coming to Saudi Arabia, for instance. Yes, yeah, for sure. um, having said that, I think... Um, looking at it from a perspective of someone who hasn't left their country, 
it can always be daunting. So just take that plunge and uh, you'll never look back. Yeah. I don't know anyone that has. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Uh, it's been, yeah, I guess it's been almost 20 years for Neil and I now. And wow. uh, yeah, we, we have enjoyed every step of the way. So what are you here to talk about today for the show? I'd like to just give people an insight into my findings and learnings just through practice of, of getting students to have a lot more voice with, you know, just how daily operations happen. It's not so much an academic focus as it is just a classroom management focus for, yeah. for today. And I went into your class um, a few weeks ago and I was uh, taking some photos and then I began to ask you some questions of a visual that I saw on the front wall of your classroom and that, that led to like a pretty engaging conversation that we had where you you broke down everything so why don't you take us through what somebody would see coming into your classroom sure looking at that front wall and how that that unpacking learner voice journey began sure i i guess uh the way it looks is it's sort of in split into two halves in that on the left hand side of the classroom you've got um unhelpful talk you've got things that we don't really want to be doing, which we use the language below the line. Um, and on the right-hand side, you have helpful talk and things that we want to be doing as respectful people, and that is obviously behaviours that are above the line. Um, now, the reason it's split into two is because that, that was a student's idea. Uh, originally, I had it set up so that I had one display on the left-hand side where it had above-the-line behaviours, below-the-line behaviours, and um, student voice was basically what went on top and what went on bottom. Okay, so I'm just going to do a quick timeout and uh, sure. and just dig a little more into above-the-line sure. um, talk and below-the-line talk. So give us some specific examples of what above-the-line might be and what below-the-line might be. And is this also um, above-the-line uh, positive self-talk, or is it just talk with your peers you know, when, when interacting with others. So maybe just give us a little more insight. Sure. I think the beauty of it is it does cover all behaviours within the classroom, whether it be self, peer, towards um, people who are coming in, visiting and, t and talking to the class, whether it be on a Skype call. It covers all bases. And that is above the line, it's really simple. And it's um, an educator called Corwin Cronenberg designed this model. But I got... Um, I found it out through Anna Marie, Anna Marie Macalia, who works at the Canadian School as well. And she um, exposed me to it and I looked into it and it's just basic, basic, basic. Above the line is respectful, below the line is disrespectful. And that's what I liked about it was it's really accessible to the students and they really get it from the word go. And um, so this, this year the class have decided that above the line behaviours are things like it being helpful, um, showing that you're caring, not just caring, but showing it visually and people feeling that way. Um, and below the line behaviours are simple things like um, being disrespectful. And we talk a lot about that word disrespectful and the word respectful um, to make sure that we all have common ground on what that means, what it looks like and how we can use it to learn. And one of the most important things here is that idea that we can never be explicit enough. And a lot of the research and education backs that idea, um, kind of a s simplicity of outcomes, clarity of outcomes, 
being very explicit about these outcomes and, and not assuming that the kids will understand, therefore I don't have to be explicit yeah. or visual, you know, mm-hmm. like the power of it being visual as well as explicit really adds tremendous value and impact to the classroom. So, so speak more about kind of the, the rest of the line and the, sure. all of that. Yeah. Well, as I said, originally it was all on one side of the room and a student came up with an idea just based on the bottom of the front of the room. And that was a number line that we have. And the number line goes through negative on the left, positive on the right. Which was disconnected from this. This was, yeah. Yeah, it was on as a part of the math display for the room and we were using it in our math sessions. And so, um, and we still do, but the student voice led to uh, how about we split the line and we have below the line on the left-hand side of the room where it's negative, seen as negative behaviours and the positive behaviours on the right. Um, and the class decided that that was a very good idea and I uh, got very excited about the of idea course, too. that's an awesome thought, idea. That's kind of cool. So, you know, and, and we even talk about, um, there was talk about because there was a math display on the left-hand side that that's an evil subject and things like that. And it got conversations going. But the, the focus was, yeah, that visual, that, okay, everything that's below the line is in that area, everything that's above the line is in that area. And it's really simple for us to guide each other and remind each other by just saying, are you is this behaviour above or below the line? And that's quite often that's all you need to do to guide you know, the discussion back to, you know, where were we going with this? What are we learning and what do we want to get out of it? So So that, that kind of um, mutual understanding and unpacking of common language. So in your case, that's like you just said, it's, is that behavior above or below the line? So the kids know what that means and, and they begin to use that language themselves. And there there is a third (laughs) section to it that Cronenberg added and that is bottom line. But I mean that's things like physical abuse and and you know stuff that really we're we're really lucky in that we don't see a great deal of that as international teachers. Um so So you're seeing a vertical line? Well it'd be below the line would be um you know behaviors that are quite abusive, physical, emotional and that kind of thing. Things that we go the next level um, for discipline measures, but right. we don't even, I mean, we've mentioned it as a group in our class, but it's not really required as a part of the student management in this classroom setting. If it was required, it's there to, to use. But uh, I think, you know, it does really captivate the students in, in that it, it gets their visual, but it also gets them thinking about what are the behaviours that are even sometimes above and sometimes below, mm-hmm. depending on the context. Yeah. You know, things like that debating or um, having a, a loud conversation is not always unhelpful talk. It's actually quite helpful sometimes. Right. So there is those grey areas that come out in discussions, but I think that's really healthy and that's where the class itself makes that decision, what works best for us. Right. So, again, it's that... Um and in making it explicit and visual, which it is in your classroom. So I'll share some photos um, in the podcast uh, show notes so that people can see. But that language then stays up and it, they, it more or less becomes a form of essential agreements with how we um, want to or strive to interact with one another. That's exactly so right. So it's ongoing throughout the year. So Absolutely. where do you see it maybe going or unpacking further? 
Well, I see, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you, you start a habit, it becomes that, right? So the, the behaviors at the moment are quite interactive and quite conversational, as we spoke about earlier, where, you know, daily they know that they come in, they, they actually are not supposed to be sitting down. Um, so they just interact with each other and use that positive talk, that helpful talk that we speak about consistently where it's simple things like how was your evening last night and just catching up in the morning. So I feel like that's becoming a bit of a habit now and it's something that we may not need to um, keep reminding visually and keep reminding over and over again. It's a habit. So therefore we introduce another thing onto that. What else can we do to be better at what we do? Mm -hmm. Um, And that might be something, again, fairly simple or it could be, again, brought up by a student. It might be that we change um, how we sit, the seating, even if we have a seating plan or if something simple like that. So there will be things that we add to and take off the line dependent on student voice. Again, right, yeah. It's all about what, what they want to get out of it and achieve. But, again, it comes with that, that guidance, making yes. sure that you know which direction you want to head, and that is to, to just be helpful in our learning journey towards our approach and to help others. Right. Um, And it really aligns well with the 2018 vision uh, for the PYP, which is highly focused on, maybe not highly focused, but there'll be a greater emphasis on social and emotional learning, Mm. which is really the PSPE, the personal social Mm. physical education scope and sequence where a lot of teachers don't dive into that document and they think it's a PE thing That's right. when it's really the personal social side of it is every teacher's responsibility. So it's, it's planting the seeds for social and the social and emotional conditions that allow kids to thrive in the way that they interact with one another as, as well as the way they view themselves and uh, their right. own self-talk. That's right. And it's um, like you said, the vision for 2018 where they have the, voice, choice, ownership, you know, and agency and the agency is is in the center, right? Yeah. Um, I think uh, the best thing I've seen lately on, on, on agency is Sonia Tabor. Yeah, yeah, she's great. uh, And she, she said, um, you know, almost be careful to call it agency unless it is, you know, let me make sure it's, it's genuine. And I think that's, that's a key to, to a lot of this in that, we use this lingo and, and we talk about it, but just to make sure we understand it so that we can use it properly in the classrooms is, is really important. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, and it's that idea of I think one of the big things here in Sonia, who's a friend of mine, and she's working at my old school in, in China now. Yeah. Um, but it's just that idea of the difference between <clears throat> knowing and showing, and oftentimes there's a big gap mm. even with teachers. So they know and they talk student agency, but the you know the extent to which they're actually delivering opportunities to deepen student agency, there's a big gap there. Sure. So it's closing that gap and, and really not just speaking about agency, but letting go and yeah. and really making it a part of everything they do in the classroom. Which which is hard, not just in the whole letting go side, but also just. The preparation side can be quite difficult as well. And I'm still learning. I'm still um, watching some phenomenal educators and learning from them. And um, I'm by no means a master at at any of that. I just know that it's it's the right way forward, you know. So so you sort of need to get out there and learn and see people like Sonia and people around me 
um, like um, Philip Silich and a few others in in my team who were just really really good at that that side of it. You right. know, just giving that um, that student voice, that agency that we spoke about, just and and, yeah. and harnessing that and making sure it's a, a positive move forward. Yeah, excellent. So thanks for being on the show. Um, where can people find you on Twitter? Twitter, I'm at Tim J Scarrett on Twitter. That's S C. S C. It's S carrot T. So it's S C A R R O T T. S carrot. S carrot T. Yeah. There you go. That's a good way. <laughs> S carrot T. Tim J S carrot T. That's excellent. The one. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, my man. Thank you very much. Okay. Thanks for your time, Andy. So as always, John and I will do a reflection at the end of each GES Insightful Classroom Teacher Series. So today we're going to share our thoughts about what we heard in regards to uh, the podcast with Tim. And I would ask my colleague, John, to uh, share his thoughts right now. Yeah. Well, um, it was interesting that uh, Tim started off talk, saying, well, it's, it's a classroom management uh, issue. And, and then, you know, he, he said about student voice, and I think the... The real crux of this is that he doesn't, at the beginning of the school year, he doesn't get up those classroom agreements, you know, that have more or less some input from the students. But he, he starts a dialogue with the students. And that what I, that's what I really like about this work, is that it's not a let's think of five rules that we're going to have in this classroom. It's a let's have a conversation about how we relate to other students and to each other. Yeah. And, you know, we often see classroom management uh, posters mm -hmm. up on the wall, which uh, have all of the information on there with the expectations on how to how to behave and how to treat one another and how to be respectful. But again, it takes a skillful practitioner uh, and patience to really unpack those things. And like you said, have a discussion with students. And it's Tim's first year, let's not forget this. So he didn't know any of the students coming into the school. He was new to his role here at, at GES. So I think he really um, demonstrated that he is committed to having these discussions and unpacking uh, kind of success criteria related to uh, positive interactions. So I think just the investment of time is uh, that Tim's willing to put in uh, throughout this process really uh, resonated with me mm -hmm. yeah and it, and it will pay off because I'd like to have a dollar for every time I've walked into a classroom and seen a classroom agreement we will respect each other but what does that mean what does it look like day to day in real life and he's talking with these kids and they're making connections I think the number line was, was funny and it was that was just yeah one kid's interpretation of what's above the line what's below the line it's a bit like a number line yeah, and I love that sort of making those connections because those are the kids constructing. Yeah, and I think he's put himself in a position and his students in a position that in making it visual, when you walk into Tim's classroom, you see um, the unpacking on the wide left of, of unacceptable kind of interactions and then on the wide right of the classroom, acceptable interactions. Now that's up for the year. And there can be a lot of further unpacking as the year goes on, but it's always a reference point that's up the front of the classroom that is very visible and explicit. So uh, I think, again, it's, uh, it's a great investment of time that Tim has put in. Yes, it is. Yeah. So everybody, thank you for listening to this episode with uh, Tim Skerritt. And uh, next week, uh, we're going to have Simon on the show. <laughs> 
So looking forward to hearing what Simon has to say about uh, some of the, the great things he's doing in grade two. So everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Run Your Life podcast by Andy Bassman. To check out show notes, get some more information about Andy as well as his guests, head to our website, 21clradio.com.